No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello, and welcome to You're Dead Too, the podcast about our shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson, and joining me this week on the program is nobody. This week I wanted to talk about something that I've actually talked about a bit previously, but wanted to do more of a deeper look into this uh, to see what is happening with it. It is alkaline hydrolysis, and no matter how many times I try to spell check it, it always looks a little funny. Hydrolysis is an interesting word, but I had talked about this previously on episodes looking at cremation and funereal practices. Funereal? I still don't know if that's actually a word. Funeral practices. Um, to see kind of what is it, how it works, I wanted to do a, a more in-depth look at it. So I want to get to that, but first before I do, as always, if you have comments, questions, thoughts, concerns, if you want to tell me to just shut up, reach out to me. Let me know. I want to hear from you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at your dead 2 Y-O-U-R-E-D-E-A-D-T-O-O. Uh, otherwise, you can go to uh, the website, yourdead2.com to find me there. You could also send an email to yourdead2 at gmail.com. I'm available for uh, whatever you might need. I'd ha- be happy to hear from you and want to know your thoughts. That's uh, a good outlet for people to let me know what they think because otherwise I'm happy talking to a vacuum, but this is uh, – I'm I'm very over-caffeinated today. I woke up very early. My uh, my little one was cold and wanted to have socks on in bed, and then I couldn't get back to sleep. So I have been up since very early in the morning, and I've had about double the amount of coffee I normally do. So forgive me if I seem a little extra on edge and uh, jittery because I'm over-caffeinated, frankly. I've, I've tried to really cut back in the last couple of years, but holy cow, I just needed some today to get through it, and it just feels like the world is full of bad news when it comes to uh, all sorts of things, to the point that I just, I recognized today I needed to just step away from the news and stop looking at all the bad things that are happening, because it's the old Bill Hicks bit of, you know, violence, death, pestilence, disease, war, violence, pestilence, death, disease, war, and you look outside and it's just crickets, there's nothing happening out there. You know, everything's fine in my backyard, but it's easy to think that the world is ending because the doomsday clock is literally set 100 seconds to midnight. Um, On top of that, today is January 23rd. The Super Bowl is uh, just barely two weeks away. Uh, Well, not even. One, two, three, uh, well, less than two weeks away. Um, And gearing up in the advertising for it, the planters company has decided to, quote-unquote, kill off Mr. Peanut, which feels weird. Um, I don't have any particular affinity for that logo or that mascot or that brand. I enjoy peanuts, um, but this is America and capitalism runs everything seemingly, and that includes advertising food, which, I mean, that is the most American thing there is, making business out of food. So, I mean, it's not exactly breaking new territory for them to do this and then to like, oh, Mr. Peanut died and they have a title card up that says Mr. Peanut 19 whatever to 2020, 104 years old, so it's what, 1916? Um, And then they'll have some kind of ad during the Super Bowl, I'm guess, bringing him back to life or, you know, he faked his own death or some dumb horseshit like this. And I just, it seems, I don't know, distasteful? But here I am swearing on the internet and making a big to-do about nothing, so... It just, I don't know, it feels weird and not good to, like, n- not make a joke out of death. I mean, that's all all this is, and all that I'm doing is making jokes out of death. But, like, I want to be looking at this from a, a more intrinsic and, you know, 
top to bottom, nuts and bolts, what is death and dying? We are all going to die. There is no escape for any of us. So to, I don't know, make light of it to sell peanuts seems weird. Um, a writer that I am particularly fond of on Twitter pointed out it seems to be making light of suicide, which also feels not good. Um, but again, this is just a mascot. So it's not, there are bigger problems in the world. It's just, it's a weird thing to happen when you're looking at the culture of death and uh, death and dying in America. And this is one of the big things trending in the news of Mr. Peanut dying. Um, I don't know, bold choice on their advertising campaign, but I got to say, I feel like there were better, um, I don't know, less unsavory or less, I don't know. It's just a weird choice. Anyway, um, I'm in a weird headspace today, so hopefully it'll bring some energy to going into what I wanted to talk about, which is alkaline hydrolysis. Let's get into it. Here we go. Okay, so I'll try to cheer up. Alkaline hydrolysis. What is it? Uh, Also known as aquamation biocremation, resumation, uh, which is actually sharing a name with a company that does it, uh, flameless cremation and water cremation. It is the process that I've talked about on a previous episode about cremation and funerals that you use lye and heat um, combined with the pressure of putting a body in a container and you basically make a big swirling vortex of water and use that to break down the body to simulate cremation. That's a very high-level look at what this is, but let's get into it a little more granular, not to be gross. But um, if we're looking at this from the high level, so cremation is literally just really high temperatures burning the body for long enough, uh, like I talked about in that episode, hours and hours and hours to eventually reduce human remains to just bone and ash. You know, ash to ash, dust to dust, that's all that we are. Alkaline hydrolysis is using a caustic base agent to do the same thing uh, at significantly lower power consumption levels and with less output to the environment as well. Um, What alkaline hydrolysis is in organic chemistry, uh, reading straight from Wikipedia because I have none of this knowledge in my head from my high school or college uh, chemistry classes because why would I, right? I mean, I probably parted away most of those brain cells. But organic chemistry, uh, the alkaline hydrolysis, refers to the types of nucleophilic substitution reactions in which the attacking nucleophile is a hydroxide ion. Um, In the alkaline hydrolysis of esters and amides, the hydroxide ion nucleophile attacks the carbonocarbon in nucleophilic acyl substitution reaction. This mechanism is supported by the isotope labeling experiments. For example, when ethyl propionate with an oxygen 18 labeled ethoxy group is treated with sodium hydroxide, the oxygen 18 is completely absent from the sodium propionate product and is found exclusively in the ethanol formed. This is, uh, that is a more intelligent way to say that, um, The reaction is often used to turn solid organic matter into a liquid form for easier disposal. Uh, Drain cleaner is used to do this. So basically, uh, Drano. This is the stuff that you're pouring down the drain to uh, 
dissolve organic material. Lye pits being used to dissolve bodies. That's It's not uh, a pleasant thing in history, but that is definitely something that happens. Uh, if you've seen the movie Fight Club, when Tyler Durden gives the narrator Ed Norton a kiss on the hand and then pours lye on it and it causes a burning sensation, that horrible chemical burn sequence, that's what this is. Only the intent is to do this to the deceased so that you're breaking down the tissue and uh, leaving just the bones. So you're using lye, a caustic agent, heat. Uh, you're heating the container up to 320 Fahrenheit or 160 Celsius, and then pressure as well to uh, essentially eliminate or skip over the boiling point. Um, so by having this super high heat and then adding in the chemical and the pressure, it takes about four to six hours to break down everything in the body. And from that, you're left with uh, basically a green and brown tinted liquid that's not unlike nasty coffee. Um, and then white bone remains. So basically, literally, the, the white, soft, phosphorus material. So in... <laughs> it's gnarly, I know. It's not, it's not pleasant stuff, but it's the reality of what it is. And from this perspective... It's interesting to see how it compares to the actual act of cremation. If this is just, uh, honestly, this feels gentler to me anyway, from, you know, an outsider's perspective that this is being put in a caustic whirlpool, you know, a hot tub that's meant to dissolve. You know, it's, it's not boiling a person to death. You're skipping the boiling point. You're, you're breaking down the biological material. You're making somebody into, uh, well, I was going to say goo, but that's not quite right, and that's a little bit disrespectful. You're, you're really reducing the person to just the hard bits that can't be dissolved. Um, this this liquid, this brown liquid, um, it's inert. It's sterile. So it just can go right back into the water supply, not the drinking water, but, you know, through the sewer sanitation process. All that's in that water is just amino acids, peptides, sugars, and salts. It's really just inert uh, remains from organic material, it can go right back into the sewer sanitation system and be treated and get back into the uh, freshwater cycle. That might seem weird and gross and wrong, but I think it's worth noting that's what happens anyway. We just don't like to acknowledge that that's a potential source of, you know, minerals and things in our water. The ocean is just a big open free-for-all where you know you get low enough in the ocean you get down to the depths of the absolute bottom of the ocean in the deepest parts there's always this snowfall or deadfall of organic material just kind of coasting down to the ground it it is all things we this is nothing new i mean this is not a novel concept but everything dies this is what you know oil is made from biological organic material that's decomposed and over time turned to pressure and you know coal you consume it you burn it and this is all just a matter of matter being transformed through life and death you're you know purifying the, the wastewater this is what water treatment does this is what the cycle of life is but to say that you're just going to flush it down the potty feels dismissive and callous and not uh you know reverent to the dead so this is not <laughs> despite what my asshole tendencies are giving proclivity to right now um what i'm trying to say is that this is potentially a good thing. I, I think that there's a lot of merit to this, frankly. There's a lot of appeal to alkaline hydrolysis or aquamation, 
Um, it's just a matter of getting past some of these um, hurdles that are currently in place. So what's left then is, like I said, the white bone remains. Um, it's you, technically you can crush it in your hand. It's so soft. It's it's white porous uh, calcium phosphate. It's just literally the mineral that's left over after this process. Um, you will uh, crush it or grind it up, uh, similar to a cremation process. You know you don't want a person having to be responsible for that. So you're able to. Uh, condense it down to ashes basically and give it next give it to the next of kin to the family so you are left with something that is incredibly incredibly similar to what you would have as remains from the actual cremation process in aquamation it's just that um chemically there's a bit of a difference in what the end product is but you're left with essentially the same thing that you could keep with you in an urn on a mantle or you could spread in nature and have no fear of environmental consequence um so i think that there's a lot of merit to be had there to say if this is uh substantially less impact on the environment, maybe this is a way to look at doing so, especially if there is, well, we'll get to this. So if we're looking at dissolving a thousand pounds of biological materials, so say, you know, five people who are 200 pounds or whatever math you want to break out on this, you would need something along the lines of 60 to 240 gallons of water to do so, combined with the lye and the heat and the energy to do this, um, it reduces down to about 2% of the original weight, which, I mean, this is a substantial reduction, 98% of what is originally there to what's left. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. This is an old physics lesson that stuck in my head, but this is a substantially faster process than natural biodegradation or embalming with all the chemicals that are involved in doing so or in cremation actually burning the body involves uh, the release of mercury into the air as well so there is you know potentially a, a significant reduction in that problem um, we're using overall on average a quarter of the energy necessary for actual cremation to do an aquamation and overall there's less co2 released into the atmosphere as well through the fact that there's no combustion happening there's no actual contaminants going into the atmosphere. Um, those mercury emissions typically come from fillings, which is a gnarly thought. I've got a head full of metal. I've put that on Instagram before that I've got many, many fillings. Um, but this is a way to get around that. Uh, additionally, that water, instead of going back into the sanitation system, you could use that for green space. Or you could use it as... Uh, I, well, I don't know about the <laughs> the nutritional aspect of fertilizer, but it could certainly go into a garden. It's it's literally listed as safe for doing so. You just you don't want to drink it. You will get sick. Um, but it can be used for uh, gardening. You know, green space. What's interesting is that um, there has been religious pushback to this. Uh, it's actually legal right now in 18 states in the U.S., which, I mean, as time marches on here, that's – if the trend continues, we're looking quickly at having half of the states in the U.S. having it legalized. Um, it's in progress right now in Canada. There are um, at least four provinces that are doing it. Um, I think Saskatchewan was the first, but it's it's a practice that is being done in Canada, and it's continuing to spread uh, through legislation. I know that it's contentious in the UK. There have been appeals to do it. Uh, similarly, in Australia, that it can be done. However, the water permits are particularly prohibitive, especially with what's been going on with the wildfires right now. I'm sure that any use of water is under increased scrutiny. Uh, but I know that 
and uh, in Portland, in the last year, there have been over 200 acclimations, which uh, just in Portland alone, I think that's frankly the way the death industry tends to move. I think that's a fast adoption of the practice. But again, it's the numbers leading up to this have been incredibly small, less than, uh, what are my actual numbers here? Let's look at alkaline hydrolysis is, I believe, in 2007, before that, uh, the numbers that I saw had it something in the range of about 2,000 people in the early aughts. Um, but as more and more states and territories legalize it or you know officially sanction it it becomes much more common and much more uh spread practice so portland is um there is a business there in portland that's actually increasing this and moving quickly to do so because frankly it is an environmentally uh safer practice to do so than looking at you know cremation and spreading ash and smoke into the air Interesting to note, though, like I said, with the contention to do so, uh, the New York State uh, Catholic Conference condemned it, the practice of acclimation, for insufficiently respecting the intrinsic dignity of the human body, which I find a bit unusual given that they've acquiesced on the notion of cremation, that they're able to allow for... <laughs> the Catholic Church is very, obviously, very rule-based and very uh, tradition-based, and they've got a lot of incentive to stay as such. Uh, I know that they are not the fastest adopter of new practices, but I find it a bit odd that the view is that this is somehow degrading the intrinsic dignity of the human body by doing this when it seems to be a more natural process than burning the body. But maybe this is my own bias coloring the scenario. And looking at what we've done for cremation so far and looking at the practices that we used to partake in, especially in European culture, when dealing with cremation, the big concern was that it was meant to be done as a defilement or a prevention from... uh, you know, a refusal of the resurrection, that somebody would be denied the ability to have their body to resurrect. And I know that the Catholic Church is very literal in the process of transubstantiation versus transconsubstantiation, the idea that uh, the resurrection of the body can be quite literal, that you will possess your earthly body in the afterlife. This is, you know, getting out into the weeds for what I normally talk about on, the, on this podcast. I'm not intending to be a religious scholar here, more so just looking at the wonderful world of death, but uh, I can see their viewpoint from the practical um, material world of having the body, that it is elemental, that you want to keep it within, you know, that you want to keep it whole, you want to preserve the integrity, and yet if they've come around on cremation, it's surprising that they have an issue with acclimation, given that the end result is arguably the same thing. It's the breakdown of the body. You're speeding the process along to have a lower geographic footprint and to just simply be left with the uh, ashes of the person, ash to ash, dust to dust, 
And yet here we are at the impassable crossroads of the Catholic Church making a proclamation and not being able to get past that, let alone the fact that this is the Catholic Church that we're talking about and they've certainly been um, subject to their own scrutiny in the past as far as what is a sound, safe religious practice as opposed to what is a straight-up crime that people permit in your name. But again, I don't want to get in the territory of uh, slander and libel, so I'll just shut up at that point. I will say, uh, Mexico, a very Catholic country, the process is available there. Um, so I'm not sure where the disconnect is. Uh, the Mayo Clinic, one of the top medical facilities in the world, has been doing this since 2005, um, and nobody has thrown significant red tape out there to say, you have to stop doing this. You have to, you know. It's a process that can be done. It's something that... Uh, I think there's a beauty to it. I think that there is a, an elegance to not being pulverized, but by being broken down. There, It's the same thing people deal with when I try to get people to talk about this subject matter in any <laughs> non-podcast circumstance, which is uh, it's not fun stuff. We, you know, we live our lives in genuine, general, genuine, uh, general and genuine denial of the fact that we're all going to die someday. That's what all of this is about. This, you know, from the moment we're born, we've got a timer ticking, and we just don't know when it is up. It seems to me that uh, having been looking at this stuff for a most of my life, and b uh, the better part of the last year, this is done right. Uh, one of the more reverent ways to do so. Um, Let's just, for the sake of argument, compare it to a sky burial, which is to, uh, for lack of a better term, just let the body lie out in nature. The same thing ends up happening. You're left with the bones. That's the hardest material, and that's what's left, and scavengers and animals and bugs and weather and the elements take everything else. That's We're part of that larger ecosystem, and... I know it feels really good to pretend we're a civilized animal with neckties and iPhones, but we're still just big dumb sacks of meat that, you know, we just have tools. Other animals don't have as many. We have some fancy ones. And, you know, I'm getting on my high philosophical horse here, but if you give me my druthers of saying, would you like to be pumped full of chemicals and stuck in the ground for all of eternity, or would you like to be burned to a crisp for all of eternity, or would you like to be placed in a warm bath and broken down? Well, the last one sounds kind of the least disturbing in the literal sense of, you know, it's it's not a violent act. It's, it's a chemical process that this is a condensed micro version of what would happen in the macro. This is what would happen if you do a burial at sea. Isn't this the same thing? But again, this is where I'm butting up against the practical reality of having the resurrection of the body with the Catholic Church. It's just, and I don't have an axe to grind with the Catholic Church today in particular. It's just that if that's the sticking point, it just feels arbitrary. Um, it's interesting to see that there is also a pushback on this for the fact that there's concern over sanitation. But again, not to put too crass of a point on it, but 
that's where the toilets go. They go to sanitation, you clean the water. You know, this is not a novel concept. This is what we do. But here we are. You know, it's it's not, I don't know. It, it, it is. This is weird shit that I'm talking about, and it flies in the face of polite dinner conversation, and yet I think there's an elegance to this. I think that there's something that certainly deserves to be examined, and I, I think that there's something here. I think it's really a potential solution to what we're looking at in the future. I don't... So, looking at all the things that are involved with the cremation process, especially with the practicality of having an actual crematorium, it's difficult and prohibitively expensive to start and stop the process. So to, in an ideal world, you would have the flames going always. And, you know, cremate, 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 uh, turn the flames down low, clean out the actual chambers and, you know, clear and clean everything out and then turn the flames back up and get them you know, up to a roaring temperature and continue the process with more uh, bodies in there. So to not have that, you know, it's basically the start and stop process is not only incredibly cost inefficient, but hard on the equipment as well. Uh, The stress and tear of heating and cooling the same uh, parts over and over again causes significant damage. This is a way to get around that because again, that you can do this for individuals. I mean, the majority of the tanks that I was reading about are individual tanks. You're not placing, you know, a dozen people in one and having them all broken down. You know, when I made that example of a thousand pounds, this is ideally for the individual that you place them in a small container and you break them down into what is essentially 2% of the original biological material. It's, you know, I could paint this in a number of ways. It's still going to be kind of the same thrust here that it's it just it's less of a footprint. Um, I'm sure there's more of a sink to get into this. It's the old thing about Teslas and how, you know, if they're so environmentally beneficial for the lack of emissions, but yes, it, it costs, you know, millions and millions of dollars to produce the initial plant, to build the car, to uh, test it, to prototype it, to roll it out, that, you know, the sunk cost of actually getting the, the new green car out there. It's the same thing with green funerals that you have to kind of build and build and build and build all this infrastructure to make it happen when in reality it's 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 a much smaller footprint to get this started but again i'm i'm probably preaching to the choir here um there's also the fact that if this is used in animal circumstance so veterinary or uh zoological studies when you have uh, communicable diseases instead of releasing them into the air by further handling of the animals and exposing people to them, certainly what's going on with the coronavirus right now in China, that by doing this, you're actually clamping down on the number of ways in which the potentially contaminated material could be exposed to the world at large. So basically by locking the stuff up, breaking it all down, you're killing off bacteria in a way that is significantly more... um, I'm struggling for the word here. Significantly more... um, effective for elimination so i'm losing it i don't know like i said this has been a hard day of lots and lots of coffee and lots and lots of bad news on the internet that i'm just trying to get my head around (laughs) and try to look at this thing positively and not just grind my axe against the catholic church but i honestly uh if you've got thoughts on alkaline hydrolysis, reach out on Twitter. Let me know. I'd love to talk more about it because, frankly, I think that there is a lot of good to be done here. I think this is a real emerging industry that, uh, as we dig more into it, 
this could be, forgive the phrase, wave the future. Um, I don't mean to make puns, but maybe this is the way to go. Maybe this is something that can be done because I don't see... I don't know. There's a lot of these these trends and these patterns, these habits, they're they're slow to turn. And yet that's something that I always come up against is that people are doing less and less with the traditional funeral these days. Cremation I think is a lot of geographic appeal for people who are born of the world that we've been taught about, you know, the holes in the ozone layer and greenhouse gases and uh, potential effects of climate change that we're living in now. As people get older, this is a potential solution. So I'll, uh, how about this? Let's make a deal. I'll shut up for now. You let me know. Weigh in online. We can argue about it on the internet. That's what the internet's for. And we'll just take it from there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week.